I'm Dinah Pat, and you're listening to Brothers On Air. Welcome to the eighth episode of Brothers On Air, a podcast dedicated to bringing you classic radio shows as performed by the youth of the 21st century. This podcast is a project of CBHS Theatre, run by John Smiley. It stars our own Brothers On Stage talent and is directed, produced, and edited by students. All material is used for educational purposes and is not for profit. This week's show takes us back to 1964. Alive in the Grave first aired as part of The Creaking Door, a radio show that ran in South Africa. Today's episode stars Blake Lira as Joe, Brian as Lil, Carter Strickland as the caretaker, Dinah Pat as the cop and Harold Marlowe, Michael Marking as the host and Zechariah Marlowe, and Jeb Bryan as the man. This episode follows one man, Joe Alish, as he discovers he may have made a grave mistake. I have flown, I have sailed, I have moved about this world of ours and ever in search of the finest of its kind. We bring you the tops and spine chillers. The Creaking Door. Good evening, friends of The Creaking Door. The creaking door is open, so do come in. The cemetery caretaker and the ashen-faced, trembling young man make an odd pair as they stand by an open grave under the pale moon. In the grave itself is a coffin. The lid has been pried open, and inside, the corpse of a middle-aged man. The caretaker warns. I've heard about blokes like you. Read all about grave robbers. I never thought I'd come across one. Here I've sent for the cops, young man. Don't you try any rough stuff. I'm a match for you any day. But you don't understand. I've tried to save his life and now it's too late. Now don't you give me that. This fellow was given a decent Christian burial. You've desecrated his- Desecrated, you say? Isn't it desecration to bury a man while he's still alive? Uh, uh, what's he talking about? You don't think people go around being buried alive these days, do you? I don't know what to make of you. I watched you this afternoon. I thought you looked a bit peculiar. I didn't know what you were doing at Papa's burial. Shouldn't have had a Papa's burial. Shouldn't have been buried at all. I could have saved him. You better think up a good story. Something told me that you were up to no good. Now don't you try any rough stuff. I already warned you. I warned you, the police are on their way. Breaking open a coffin like that. Uh, I knew you were up to something, but I never thought... It's because... Because I let him get buried alive, and I was ashamed. Let him get buried alive for a measly 50 bucks. Now he's dead. Uh, did you come out of a loony bit or something? Now that I get a better look at you, you don't look like no grave robber. I'm not. Listen... What's he to you, this fellow we bury today? Nothing, except I'm responsible for his death. I touched him. He's cold. Cold as death. He's only been in the ground a few hours. They don't stay cold like that. Sometimes we get an exhumation order. We have to dig him up. You'd be surprised how cold they get. He is dead, isn't he? I brought this mirror with me. There's no breath. Look. <laughs> I don't have to look. 
He's been in the municipal morgue for two days. He's given a papa's burial. Now that... Now then what's this all about? Young man, I want to go home. He was dead all right when they buried him. But not when the ambulance took him to the morgue. You see, I know. You know? Oh, was he a relative of yours? I didn't even know he existed until two days ago. I've been trapped in the streets looking for work. I didn't want to go home, if you can call that one room Lil and I occupy a home. It's still ringing in my ears the thing she shouted at me as I left there. I've come to the end of my tether. I've pawned everything. Look, look, even the wedding ring you slipped on my finger in the church. What did he say? And all thy worldly goods? <laughs> That's a laugh. You were going to share all your worldly goods, weren't you? Well, if you don't get some money or a job, I'm walking out on you. Do you hear? I'm walking out on you. And I'll go and I'll live with my sister. At least I'll get some warmth and three square meals a day. Don't say that, Lil. Was it my fault I fell sick and couldn't work in the factory anymore? I've tried, dear. I really have. Everywhere I go, they look at me and say no vacancies. Not my fault either. I warned you, I can't take much more of this. I know, honey, I know. I'll get something today, I promise. It was a promise I couldn't keep. Pounding the pavement, watching the dislike and fear in the eyes of the world as I passed by. Fear that one day they might become like me. And then I see him. I was coming to Duke's Lane. Nothing on either side except a huge brick wall. He was a short, fat little man. Our steps blurred in the quiet thoroughfare. What was he stopping for? Was he taking caution? Did he think me a gangster or something? I suppose I did look like something that had crawled out of a piece of cheese. <gasps> Hey, sir, are you all right? Can't be. He's passed out. There doesn't seem to be any breathing. I wonder who he is. He must have something in his pockets. Jeez, look at all this money. Must be $50 here at least. Poor guy. What good is money now? I'd better call a cop. Well, if you well, don't, if you get, don't some get some money, money or, a job, or a job, I'm walking, I'm walking out, on out, out on you. Do you hear? Do you hear? I'm, walking I'm walking out. out. There's nothing anyone can do for this poor man. They'll find him soon enough. What does a guy do in a case like this? Beat it, you fool. Beat it with the first decent money you've had in months. Somebody will find him. Run! Lil! Joe, Joe, you got some money? That's right, Lil. A 20, two tens, a five, and the rest in ones. It all adds up. Adds up very nicely. 50 smackers and all. Oh, Joe, darling! But... How did you get this money? You didn't go and do anything silly, did you? Like what? Rob a bank? I wouldn't know where to start. But... but how did you get it? You'll never believe it. Remember I told you when I was in the sanatorium there was this fellow there with the... with some lung trouble by the name of... Ted Brown? Yes. Well, I lent him a few bucks. You lent him money? While I was... Well, I was still drawing my wages, wasn't I? We didn't know the doctor wouldn't let me go back to the factory. It wasn't so bad then. All right. What about this Ted Brown? Well, I met him in the street, see. He says he's been looking for me everywhere. Wanted to repay me. Go on. Well, we go into a bar to have a drink. There was a bookie there, and Ted says he has a hot tip. Fifty to one. It won, Lil. Fifty dollars. Oh, Joe, fifty dollars? Oh, I love you! 
Lil went to get some groceries and a couple of bottles of beer. I sat on the bed and had a further look at the wallet. Having taken the money out, I thought it'd be empty. There were two pockets, both with plastic windows. The first held a card that said Harold Maxted, 26 Fairley Street, Ornsby. Then I looked at the second plastic window. There were strange words printed on a white card. It said, I am not dead. I am subject to form of cataleptic illness, which may appear to cause death. If I am found, please inform Dr. Alfred Miller, Orange B6641. No. No, it can't be. Not dead? Cataleptic? What have I done? What have I done? They'll think he's... I must telephone. But Lil, she'll wonder where I've gone. I've given her all my money. Here, all right. I got a bit. Take these bottles for me, will you? Joe, what is it? What time is it, Lil? I don't know. The club's just opened. I'd say about six-ish. Why? Give me ten dollars. Do you have any change? I need some silver. I have to telephone. I won't be long. What is it? I just have to telephone someone. You're not going gambling, are you? You haven't got the bug. You're not betting on tomorrow's races or anything like that, are you, Joe? There are all those bills to be paid. I I know, love, I know. No, I'm not going gambling, but I need it, please. I'll be back in a little while. It's just that, please, Lil. All right. Here. Would I be too late with the phone call? Would they bury this poor guy without knowing he was cataleptic? Thinking he was dead? This would be the number of the doctor in the wallet. Hello. Can I speak to Dr. Miller, please? Dr. Miller has gone abroad. He's been away for the past six weeks. Abroad? Oh, no. Have you taken over his practice, sir? No, no. I'm not a medical man. But if you're in need of a doctor, there must be plenty. No. No, it isn't that. You don't know which hospital Dr. Miller was at? I'm afraid I can't help you. I must go. My wife is shouting. Dinner's on the table. I'm sorry. Thank you. And then another thought seeped into my brain. Underground. A long wooden box and a man being buried. Being buried alive and a shovel heaping earth on the wooden boards. There must be a Maxid in the telephone directory. There was. Fourteen Maxids. Everyone alive and bad-tempered. No, I have no relatives who suffer from a cataleptic illness. Perhaps there are a few other Maxsteads in the book. Try them. I have. You're Mr. Zachariah Maxsted. You're the last one on the list. Well, I can't help you. Do I go along to the police and say, Look, I stole a man's wallet. Someone might be shoving him into six feet of earth. What do I do? I decided to sleep on it. Sleep. That's a laugh. Buried alive. Love you, little. Love, please. Pinching white. They're putting me in a wooden box, and it's all your fault, Joe Ailish. I'm struggling for breath. They're going to bury me, bury me deep. Not deep enough, Joe. Get me out of this, or I will make you suffer here on Earth and in the Well, well, well. 
Joela should better do something about it pretty soon. Otherwise, the poor unfortunate cataleptic gentleman would be stiff with the cold. But let us see what he does do. Death. I didn't know what to do. It had been less than six hours since I saw that chap fall. Maybe he's still there. Maybe if I go back to Duke's Lane, he'll still be lying there. Joe? Oh, sorry, honey. I didn't want to wake you up. It's the middle of the night. Where are you going? I won't be long. No, Joe, you're not going anywhere. I thought you've been acting strange. Oh, Joe, I know I've nagged and threatened you, but it was only because you were getting so down, so beaten. I love you, Joe. Otherwise, you... It isn't that at all. All right, Lil? I'll tell you. Then you'll see why I have to go. And so I told her. Told her the whole story of how I robbed a man I thought was dead. A corpse that had no use for the $50 in his wallet. So you see, I have to go and find him. Or find out where they're taking him. They'll think he's dead, Lil. Oh, Joe. Joe, someone will have found him by now. He's probably lying in bed, fast asleep. People who have these sorts of fits, they recover. No, they don't. After I found all the maxes I could, I went to the library and I looked it up. Unless they get assistance, they can stay that way for days. By then they'll bury him, and you know what that makes me? A murderer. I'm letting a man die for 50 bucks. Oh no, Joe. What if, what if you phone the police station? What if you call the Orangey police station and tell them, Oh no, Joe, you can't do that. They will call you a thief and put you away. L- look, I'm getting dressed and coming with you. Where did you say it was? Duke's Lane? Joe, let's pray he's still here. It might be worse. He might have died for lack of attention. Let's pray someone saw him and took him to the hospital and they realized he wasn't... wasn't dead. Shh! A cop! It's a bit nippy this time of morning, isn't it? You're up late, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. There was a little commotion in Duke's Lane a few hours ago, so my friend Phyllis told me uh, something happened in Duke's Lane. Oh, yes, yes. Just before I came on duty. Postman saw a man lying in the lane here dropped dead. Dead? They're sure he's dead. So the police surgeon said. Why? Know anything about it? No, we don't know anything about it. It was just that we, we wondered if it was anyone we knew was all. Oh, well, I believe they've identified him all right. If you knit around to the station, they might be able to tell you. Oh, I don't think it's anyone we know. Come on, love, it's too cold to stand out here chatting. Let's go up to bed. You two married? Yes. Heh, you should have been in bed ages ago. Good night, or rather, good morning. Let's go to the police station. No, 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 you'll have to entertain about the wallet. Besides, this policeman doesn't really know. But Lil... It's no good, Joe. We're going home. Come on. Some more coffee, Joe? No, thanks. Lil, it's no good. We've got to go to the police. We're committing murder. It's two days now. I didn't sleep a wink all night last night. Kept having nightmares, hearing Max's voice pounding in my brain. Pounding in my brain. Telling me to save him before it's too late. You're the only one who can save me, Ailish. They're burying me this afternoon. They're putting me in a coffin and covering me with dirt. If you allow this to happen, you are a murderer, Joe Ailish. A murderer. Do you hear? 
You will be punished. 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 He kept saying I'll be punished. But you said yourself, it's only a nightmare. All right, don't you go. I will. I'll say that I knew. What was his name? Maxted. Harold Maxted. I'll say I know him and that he's a catapolictic. That's it. I'll go and... Excuse me. Hello. Oh, aren't you the young lady I saw down Duke's Lane the other night? That's right. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. You know, we were talking about someone who dropped dead that afternoon. Were you able to identify him? Yes, we were able to identify him all right. Why? He's a catapoliptic. He's not really dead, you know. Oh, don't be funny. I've got the card here. They're burying him this afternoon. He's in the Ornsby Mortuary. Cardiac failure. This is the release for the body. For it to be buried. Signed by the police surgeon, Dr. Herbert Spencer. He may have been a cataleptic. I don't know about that, but he died of heart failure. Being buried in a pauper's grave at Ornsby Cemetery this afternoon. Didn't die of heart failure, indeed. <laughs> Not dead. <laughs> Maybe I'm being a bit silly. Thank you, officer. Good goodbye. Sure, he's dead. The death certificate was signed by the police surgeon. What does that officer know about cataleptics? If the doctor had known he was a cataleptic, I'm going to stop the burial. You can't, Joe, you can't. Once you tell the police about the wallet, where, where are you going, Joe? I don't know. To get drunk? I don't know anything anymore. Even my glass of beer went sour in my mouth. I had bought it with blood money, the blood of Harold Maxton. I left the bar and walked. They were burying him in a pauper's grave, were they? I didn't ask my feet to move towards the cemetery. It seemed they didn't belong to me. They were burying him as I got there, a minister, a gravedigger, and an old man. Obviously the caretaker and the police sergeant. I wanted to shout, don't! Don't put him in that grave! He's not a corpse, he's alive! I couldn't. Dusty stripes on the officer's sleeve seemed to represent the number of years I might get for stealing and withholding information. I ran from the cemetery as though I was running from the vengeance of Maxton himself. Hello, Joe. They buried him at last. I saw them do it in a cheap wooden coffin. <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing the coffin was a cheap one. Maybe the coffin maker gutted it. Maybe there were holes in it. Maybe the poor guy will be able to breathe. Fifty measly bucks. Fifty rotten dollars and I've turned myself into a murderer. And I let you in on it too. They'll say you're part of a conspiracy. What have I done to you? What have I done to us? Nothing, Joe. Alright, so you pinched his wallet when we were both starving. No one can have you up for, for murder. That's besides the point now, isn't it, Lil? He's down there struggling for breath, isn't he? He won't be struggling for long. I don't know anything about cataleptics, but you can't be nailed inside a coffin underneath six feet of earth long. Look out the window, Lil. It's got dark already. It's winter, Joe. I know the grave, Lil. I'm going back. Joe! You're not going to stop me, Lil. I'm going back and I'm going to get him out of that grave. Please, Lil. I've got to. All right, Joe. I'll come with you. No. I couldn't bear that. I've got to do this on my own. Suppose, suppose he's too heavy for you. You're not strong, Joe. It's a pauper's grave, Lil. They didn't take much trouble with him. Why would a pauper have all that money in his wallet? That makes it worse, doesn't it? 
Maybe they couldn't raise his relatives, with what his doctor gone away and everything. Here, Lil. Get my hammer out of the drawer. It's got that thing on the end for pulling nails out. And that piece of mirror. All right. Here, I hope you're right. That you know what you're doing. It's the only way, Lil. The only way. And here I am in it. It's too late. He's dead, all right? Lord, young man, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes, not for nothing. Just a minute. What did you say this man's name was? Maxted. Harold Maxted. Oh, no it's not. What? This man's name is Sidney Fraser. Are you sure it's the same man? Positive. I know it's the same guy. He's accusing face follows me around, sleeping and waking. Ah. Well, young man, come and have a look with me. We don't give them much of a tombstone, these papas. There you are, Sidney Fraser, born February the 6th, 1920, dad December the 5th, 1967. I've told you everything. They've given him the wrong name. You better tell that to the police officer. I'm sorry about this, young man. I warned you. I thought I was too... Oh, to take you on my own. When you started opening that grave, I ran to the cemetery office and phoned the police. Oh, well. It's almost a relief in a way. Hello. What's going on here? Oh, it's you again. Your missus was in the police station this morning with some nonsense about... Hey. Digging up a grave, are you? There's something fishy going on. When I told my sergeant that your wife came in and we were burying someone who's a cataleptic and who's not dead, he nearly strangled me. Said I should have taken full particulars. Said I ought to charge you both with causing a public nuisance. This fellow, Sidney Fraser, has had heart trouble for years. Sometimes an ordinary hospital had had the pleasure of his company. More often than not, it was a prison hospital. Our police sergeant warned him he hadn't long to live. Your wife comes in with a cockable story we're burying him alive. As if we didn't know him. Sidney Fraser. In his day, he was the finest pickpocket at Ornsby. Pickpocket? Yeah, why, only the other day we had a complaint from Mr. Maxted that someone had stolen his wallet. Man accosted him at the bus stop and started running. From his description, we knew it was Sid. <laughs> he picked back his pocket? He wasn't a cataleptic? He was a pickpocket. <laughs> You'd better pull yourself together. Oh, no. What are you doing here, and why is this grave open? Oh, that's all right, officer. A young friend here got a bit mixed up. I opened the grave to show him he was mistaken. Then why did you ring the police and say there was a suspicious character lurking in the cemetery? Well, it seems I was mistaken. That's all, police officer. In fact, we were both mistaken, weren't we, young man? Ha! Pickpocket ho ho Kaleptics! <laughs> well, well, well. Someone should have told Joe Ailish that lifting wallets off cataleptic gentlemen is a most grave offense. In fact, it is likely to incur a most stiff penalty. Thank you for listening to today's installment of Brothers on Air. Alive in the Grave. It starred Blake Lyra, Brian, Carter Strickland, Dinah Pat, Michael Marking, and Jeb Bryan. It was edited by Dinah Pat and directed by Carter Strickland and Dinah Pat. 
This has been a CBHS Theatre production.